Here at Shot Reverse Shot, we like to keep things light-hearted. We like to have fun. A few laughs. However, some things are no laughing matter. And in times like this, we feel it's our duty to provide a vital public service. To warn citizens of the world about a cinematic menace. A man who for many years, whilst posing as a Hollywood director, has callously poisoned the minds of our youth with an endless torrent of filmic filth. This man must be stopped. And we won't rest until he is. This is Michael Baywatch. So, Ed, Michael Bay is back. What's he done this time? He has returned to cinemas after being absent for a short period of time, uh, far too short a period of time, with a new film, in inverted commas, <laughs> called uh, Pain and Gain. So it is a story about a trio of bodybuilders in Miami in the mid-90s who... Uh, strike upon a get-rich-quick scheme which involves uh, kidnapping rich people, torturing them until they sign over their uh, property to them, and then uh, in the film, um, sort of just kind of releasing them and hoping that no one says anything about it, or, and you know, no one would believe them. Though mm-hmm. so in reality, uh, and it is based on a, a real story, uh, based on a series of articles written by a man named Pete Collins, who was writing for the Miami New Times, um, the plan of theirs always involved murder which in uh, pain and gain is kind of treated as this kind of accidental uh, side effect of their efforts but uh, in the film because uh, Michael Bay tries to portray them in a sort of a more sympathetic light the murder is kind of uh, shown to be this sort of thing that they stumble through and uh, so that is kind of the basic sort of premise of uh, of pain and gain and it stars Mark Wahlberg uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, mm-hmm. or the Dwayne Johnson Rock, depending mm-hmm. on how you choose to prefer to him. Uh, Anthony Mackie as the three uh, bodybuilders. Uh, Tony Shalhoub as the first man they kidnap. And uh, Rebel Wilson as Anthony Mackie's girlfriend, uh, which is most notable because she's a very funny person who is not very funny in this. Right. And uh, Ed Harris, who really should know better. Yeah, Ed Harris has got a bit of previous, though, hasn't he? Kind of turning up as a kind of renter villain. Yeah, um, and it's very strange because he shows up as the renter villain when he's actually the detective who's there to stop these guys from uh, from committing the crimes. The film's moral compass is is somewhat unbalanced mm. in so, that regard. So you saw this uh, yesterday, and uh, how's it affecting you uh, up to now? Uh, it made me very angry, mm. I have to say. I don't usually get angry about a film, but... I got very angry with it as a piece of entertainment, but also as kind of a purported uh, adaptation of historical events. Um, because having read the the articles in the week, um, which you can find readily online if you search for pain and gain articles, um, I thought it was a very interesting story. I thought it was a very dark story about greed and sort of this sort of outblown pursuit of the American dream from sort of uh, this group of complete sociopaths and uh, I, I thought it could make for a very interesting sort of vaguely satirical take on that sort of idea that sort of really pumped up hyper masculinity and sort of hyper capitalism in a way mm. and the film is uh, not that in the slightest it's you know kind of it portrays itself as a knockabout comedy um, that any sort of attempts at satire are obliterated by sort of the fact that 
uh, Michael Bay's sort of style is just has no nuance to it. So all that happens is that these attempts to say, you know, you know, these guys have got are have sort of the wrong view of America ends up just kind of like validating their opinions and kind of makes it seem as if the film's message is it's perfectly fine to kidnap and murder people because that's the sort of the spirit of America. Uh, but rather than say sort of killing them softly, which kind of makes similar points, but does it in a way which says this is a hard and cynical and awful thing to think. Uh, in Pain and Gain, that's almost kind of celebrated. Mm. Which is kind of reprehensible. Um, you say Michael Bay's uh, style has got no nuance, um, which is an understatement if ever I've heard one. Um, does he blow anything up in Pain and Gain? I think there's only one explosion. They blow up a car at one point because, as part of their plan, they realise that they can't, that Tony Shalhoub's character has figured out who they are. So they say that they think the only way to deal with him is to kill him. Right. Uh, but the way they want to do it is uh, they basically when they've got him sort of held in this warehouse they get him to phone all of his business partners to say that he's sort of run off with a another woman to kind of portray it as if you know the reason why all his money's gone is he's had this like really terrible midlife crisis and it's all gone horribly wrong for him mm. and then in the end they say they go, they kind of put him in a car and try and stage a, an accident by crashing the car into a pillar but he survives that and then they try and blow up the car he survives that and then they run him over and he survives that which is all true they, they, like these guys tried to kill the uh, their first target and completely failed to do so despite numerous attempts and um, yeah uh, that car is the only explosion but the rest of the film is still his sort of typical bombastic um, assaultive style uh, you know lots and lots of it starts in the very beginning, really, because the first five minutes of it, you have sort of this really close, odd camera angle on Mark Wahlberg's face as he's doing press-ups, which is used in the, the trailer of the film and is quite uh, quite disorientating. And you know, it goes from that to like these this pointless slow motion of the cops coming to arrest them because it starts sort of chronologically towards the end of the story and then zooms back. And you know, it, it's just like that all the way through. It's constant sort of dashes of style which just end up becoming sort of meaningless by the sort of the half hour mark and it's a two and a half hour long film wow that's a that's a long time to sit with michael bay's worldview well yeah that's kind of the one of the main problems with his films sort of just from a purely technical standpoint is that his films are not only uh you know they're they're not they don't just feel like someone's kind of screaming in your face they uh it's they do it for sort of two and a half hours and you know his films were always just like these really long prolonged assaults and you know this one is particularly bad because um the film itself takes longer to watch than it would take you to read the three articles that it's based on mm. which is not a a ringing endorsement for a film as an adaptation when you think i could literally just read the articles and imagine the actors in the in the roles and it would be yeah. a far more um enlightening experience so it's it's this is the first example I can think of where Michael Bay would be required to direct actors um, that aren't kind of being threatened by uh, robots the size of buildings. Um, how does he manage to uh, coax performances out of such fine actors as uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Uh, he basically relies a lot on voiceover. The whole film is kind of you know there's copious amounts of different characters narrating what's happening with the stories uh, at over sort of like 
sort of slowly moving low angle shots of uh, of buildings and uh, you know the Miami landscape and naked mm. women and you know sort of the usual Michael Bay kind of stuff. So yeah. the performances themselves, otherwise you know it's performances kind of keyed to sort of an absolutely sort of uh, shrill kind of key. Um, the uh, the the only sort of really good you'd say the sort of Dwayne the Rock Johnson he is probably the best performer in it because he, wow his character is a composite of several characters you know the the original gang there were about five or six and in the film there's only a, a key trio um, one of the original gang members was this sort of born again Christian who had gone from New York to kind of to look for a new life although he ended up in Miami which wasn't the best place to go to avoid drugs and crime. Um, <laughs> And, you know, he was involved in the early days, but he kind of moved away from the gang. Uh, mm. And there was another one who was kind of the one of the, the really key figures who kind of was on board of the violence more. So they kind of put those two together so that uh, The Rock can kind of play someone who's this kind of very uh, overtly sort of Christian guy who believes that he's doing what's right whilst sort of wrestling with his conscience and he does that quite well because he's a very earnest actor is The Rock you know there's no kind of um, irony to his performance and you can kind of you, you sort of believe him even though in the back of the mind you're thinking I really believe him as a character who doesn't exist you know in a story in a story of sort of real people uh, based on actual things that happen, he's the most kind of he's the one that feels the most real because everyone else is very sort of one note and he has at least two notes to kind of play. And he does have the funniest line in the film where Tony Shalhoub's character tries to make a run for it and um, he punches him and he says something along the lines of, you know, you know, God's given me many gifts and one of which is knocking people the fuck out. Which, wow. is, which is very funny the way that The Rock says it because he's really kind of tortured in that moment as well because he doesn't want to knock the guy out but he has to and you know there's a lot of that sort of thing going on uh, in the film um, you know it's very aggressive and uh, a combative in a way that is kind of tiring after more than sort of 15 minutes I have to say that um, like you build it as The Rock and uh, like this is an adult called The Rock. Um, uh, he is the best thing in it with a two-note performance. <laughs> um, and um, you know, it, this generally sounds like one of the worst films of all time. Is it that bad? Uh, no, it's not that bad. As in one of the worst of all time. In fact, I joked on on Twitter that it's the best film Michael Bay's made in ten years. But unfortunately, it's the worst film of this year. And I stand by that. I think it's it's head and shoulders or at least kind of top of the head above you know the the transformers films uh but it's just so and you know sort of it's technically less of a headache because you know mm. there's no kind of like just constant cutting between special effects and there's no um you know kind of shots of people just staring on as like massive destruction goes on but it still is kind of insultingly loud and crass and stupid and there are and especially if you know the story the changes that are made to it are 
um, sort of strange and unusual um, in terms of blunting any sort of attempt at satire or, or dark comedy by essentially trying to make them look like these guys who were just in over their head, whereas in reality the, the three guys knew exactly what they were getting into. They knew that they were going to be sort of kidnapping and murdering people in the film. They're just kind of like, ah, you know, they, they were just trying to live the American dream. It's like, no, they were they were awful awful people who did terrible things and um yeah it's just uh it, it's also you know one of the the kind of the key changes that really stuck in my sort of craw was um the torture itself which is played as kind of which is not lingered on which is a sort of disrespectful to the people who suffered from it Mm. And, and B is kind you is also kind of played up at certain points for sort of like for comedy and you think that's that's not right not in a story about real people if it was a story a fictional story you could kind of go ah uh, that's you know sort of crass and tasteless but I can kind of get on board with it as kind of a fictional construct if mm. it's actual recreation of torture that's you know reprehensible and you know, there's a bit where they have to dismember bodies, which is done exactly in the same way, and you just kind of watch it and you think, you know, this is not terribly funny to begin with, and it is absolutely horrifying that you're restaging the destruction of a real person's body for gags, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's so, so tone wise, you know, it's just, it's wildly wrong, wildly misjudged, but. In terms of like one of the the changes that really annoyed me was the torture takes place in a warehouse and in the book in the articles it's just like a just like a warehouse for uh, sort of industrial equipment and in the film it's sex toys so there's lots of dildos and stuff lying around and so uh, what sorry a, a sex toy factory yeah uh, warehouse okay. um, right. and the change is made for no reason other than a couple of jokes where, you know, like, they basically smack Tony Shalhoub with a massive dildo. And, uh, and <laughs> when, when, um, they get, when the the Rock goes there for the first time, he's phones up Mark Wahlberg and is like, uh, you know, saying, you know, it's asking him what, why they're there. And he says something along the lines of, there's some real gay shit in here. And you just kind of think, that's been added in and this is a passion project for Michael Bay so he's wanted to make this film for years if that change can only be in there because he said he wants that change in there and it's essentially him saying I want to change this part of the the story to make a homophobic joke Mm. that doesn't originate from the story but will get a cheap laugh from fucking idiots and that is one of the many things about one of the main little things that just irritated the living fuck out of me in the film yeah do you, you don't think he was he was he was pushing it I'm, I'm not trying to offend Michael Bay in any way uh, do you think he was um, pushing it also for the, the the dildo beating gag more than more than the homophobic gag because Michael Bay does strike me as a man who would be like you know one day thinking I'm going to put a fucking man being beaten with a dildo in a film over it kills me yeah I think he may have pushed for that and then the other thing kind of came out of it but right uh, but he didn't kind of say that you know it's not necessary to kind of have that in there mm. it's it's not a change that sort of benefits it and it just kind of uh, struck me as horribly sort of unnecessary and pointless uh, addition to the script mm. you know so it just yeah it just left me feeling a little bit uh, ill 
this um, film, uh, just when you were kind of describing when it was about and stuff, uh, this kind of masculinity, the American dream, all that kind of stuff, do you think that this film would have been great handled by someone like uh, Point Break era Catherine Bigelow? Or um, sort of early 90s Brian De Palma, like... Well, not not Scarface era Brian De Palma because basically Scarface is the same sort of thing and suffers from a lot of the same sort of issues in terms of uh, on sort of a subtextual level meaning to kind of um, kind of take people to task for that sort of hyper capitalism and this kind of belief in money over everything uh, but on sort of a more surface and more visceral level kind of being like look at all my shit you know <laughs> right. um and also, you know, sort of films like um, you know, Fight Club, which has the same sort of slight issue in that regard of kind of subtextually saying one thing, but kind of as a sort of a surface work seems to be glorifying the thing it's actually taking to pieces. Um, right. I think it's very much a story that found the wrong director, you know, in every conceivable way. Because I think, you know, the film it gets compared to is kind of people could describe it as like a meat headed Fargo you know because it's along the same sort of lines and you kind of think someone with a coen brothers style sensibility you know could have or someone who doesn't live in miami and doesn't view it as this kind of like this cool place as michael bay does you know would probably have kind of brought a more critical outsider's eye to the whole thing and just said yeah this is all a bit fucked up and Mm. uh horrible and not as funny as you kind of think it is hmm I was just interested to say when you said Scarface there, I, my instant uh, thought was uh, Al Pacino saying, say hello to my little friend, and then he brings out a massive dildo. <laughs> just uh, That's just the way my mind works. Um, so um, what can people do to avoid uh, pain and gain? Um, it's out and it's on the loose in America, isn't it? So, uh, like, you know, stay indoors, don't go out to your, your cinema if it's showing there. When does it arrive in Europe? Uh, it's due to make landfall in <laughs> August. August the 28th is when it will hit uh, British cinemas, and I urge people to stay away. This is a public service announcement. Uh, yeah. A great disaster will befall uh, Britain on August the 28th of 2013 when Pain and Gain hits cinemas. You can, you know, go to your local art house or your local revival and watch literally anything. Yeah, anything. Well, you can just stare at some sick in an alleyway, and it will probably be better than Pain and Gain. I'd say so, yeah. Right. Okay. So, is there is there no kind of um, uh, kind of camp camp joy to be taken out of this film? Um, I don't know. You probably have to be really really drunk to get any sort of enjoyment <laughs> out of it, or in a situation where you and friends can kind of mock it relentlessly, which is not what I would encourage people to do in a cinema, and I really wouldn't encourage want people to kind of spend money on it. I mean, it's already made its budget back because it was it was a small personal film for Michael Bay, um, but you know I think you know people need to take a stand and say no, we'll, we'll stand for giant robots punching each other in the face, but not uh, someone uh, projectile shitting over the inside of a hospital bathroom, which does happen at one point in Pain and Gain. Holy shit! Yeah, uh, medical yeah. shit more like, but yeah. Right. Well, this sounds terrible, and I'm and I'm glad that you've uh, you've enjoyed it rather than me, so, so we can kind of inform and educate our listeners as to uh, what they can do to avoid such pitfalls in the future. Um, so yeah, thanks for that, Ed. And in the meantime, uh, listeners at home, stay vigilant, stay safe, and um, avoid the cinemas in August. Um, that was Michael Baywatch. <laughs>